I'll, I'll be honest, and from my childhood, I really did have an inkling that I, I might want to be in ministry, but to be honest, I didn't know if pastors really had that much fun. And uh, my, my pastor growing up, I, I was around him only at serious times, and so I thought, uh, this must be a pretty serious job, and I'm not sure you have any fun, so I'm not sure I really want to do this. But I had some other goals for my life at that time anyway. This baseball right here is a small, uh, we used to call them Adam League, Corey League, uh, but this baseball's from 1976, and I uh, came in with the bases loaded and struck out the side. And in 1976, I wanted to be a baseball player. I really not only wanted to be a baseball player, but those of you who've been St. Louis Cardinal fans for a while, you know the guy who used to walk behind the mound and then psych himself up and then slap his ball into the glove and walk back, Al Rabowski. That's who I really thought I wanted to be. Now, I threw right-handed. He was a lefty, but I thought, that's, that's the kind. I want to be able to go to the mound with an attitude, you know, and, and pitch. And uh, after a few years of baseball, I realized that wasn't going to work out. So... Then I turned my heart toward, toward this, and uh, this is the Louis Armstrong Jazz Award. So I was a drummer, and uh, I really thought, man, I, I would love to be a drummer and get in a band and tour the world and do all these fun things. And uh, yeah, ask my boys about musical professions. So anyway, that's all I got to say about that. I have told my boys from the very beginning, and I've tried to make sure that they could help a church anywhere and play guitar and keyboard and enough drums that they could step into any church at any time and be a blessing and serve somewhere. But I've always told them, music is a great hobby, not a great profession. So anyway, unless you're an educator or a music teacher, that makes it a little bit better. But, it, you know, uh, you're probably not going to, you know, be the one that's the next American idol. So I've always told him that. So what I ended up then in uh, 1985, and here's the bulletin from or the, the church newsletter. This is December 3rd, 1985. But my name is here and it's listed and it says for full-time Christian service. This is the newsletter of First Baptist Church of Arnold in uh, December 1985. And that's where the Lord led me. He called me to ministry. And uh, you know what? If I was a baseball player, my career would be long over. If I was a drummer, I'd probably have carpal tunnel by now. Uh, but the Lord called me to ministry, and I feel like I'm three-fifths of the way done. That uh, if the Lord allows me 20 more passionate years to serve him and to pastor and to preach, then I, uh, I'll have 50 in, and uh, maybe, maybe then I can, you know, tap into... Dr. Shepard's Tahiti Slush Fund, all right? So uh, anyway, he used to always talk about that. That's all I hear about, though, so I've never seen it. But uh, anyway, I may have to ask for that in his will. As we think about life, though, in ministry or out of ministry, as I've been reading through the book of First and Second Chronicles, I found a lot of guys who start well, but they don't end well. But the text that we think about in Colossians chapter 3 gives us a real challenge on how to live out our daily life in which we can end well. So take your Bibles and turn with me to Colossians chapter 3 this morning. We're going to pick up in verse number 15. Colossians three fifteen. 
and we're going to have to listen fast. And if you notice in your bulletin, the blanks are back. Okay, that means you have to get your pen back out and follow along a little more closely so that you can get your outline filled in. Someone sent in a request for blanks. So anyway, it may not have been you, but someone did. They said it just helps them pay attention. So if it's going to help one person pay attention, it may help a lot of you pay attention. So let's jump in and we're going to move quickly this morning. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And with that, let's pray. God, thank you for your word, and I ask, Lord, in these moments that we have, that you would rivet this and drive it home in our life. I pray, God, that we would be people who finish well, that we would walk in your path, and Lord, that our name and our legacy would be one of faithfulness to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul is moved to the the application section of the book of Colossians after spending two chapters in doctrine. He has told us, if you have been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, set your mind on those things which are above. He has told us to take off or put off the, uh, the old man. We're to put down sensual sins. We're to put off social sins. And then in verse number 12, he begins and tells us what we are to put on. He tells us as the elect of God and holy and beloved, that we are to put on tender mercies and kindness and humility and meekness and long-suffering, that we are to bear with one another and that we are to forgive one another. And he says, and, and if anyone has anything against each other, you have to forgive just as Christ forgave you. And then he tells us in verse number 14, and above all, don't miss this. Whatever you do, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. So Paul has told us how to dress in in Colossians chapter 3. Keep your focus and get dressed in the right types of Christian virtues. Now he's going to tell us how to move forward. Have you heard of the saying, this person is all dressed up and has nowhere to go? Well, for us, we are dressed up. We are dressed in Christian virtues, and now we are sent out as missionaries to go out into the field. We are to go out into our community. We are to go out into our neighborhoods and our schools and our workplace and wherever we go. We are to go and make a difference, and he gives us three principles on how we can do this. They're laid out very, very, uh, uh, you know, clearly in verses 15, 16, and 17. First off, he says this, let the peace of Christ rule your heart. Let the peace of Christ rule your heart. Now, as we think about the peace of of Christ, and in some of your versions, if you have an older version, 1611 King James or the, uh, or a new King James, they use a, a, uh, they use the peace of God here. Okay, the, the picture is, is in most newer and, and accurate manuscripts, it is really the peace of Christ. So just understand. So he's talking about the peace of Christ. Let that rule your heart. Now, as we think about peace, we think of it in three senses. First off, there's peace with God. 
peace with God. That comes at the moment of salvation. Through salvation, we experience peace with God. So the peace of God, our, our peace with God comes as we experience salvation. This is an objective peace. This means, as Romans 5, 1 tells us, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what he's talked about in Colossians 1, 19 and following. That we were sinners and separated from God, but Jesus came as the reconciler to make us where we could have a right relationship with God. We could have harmony with God. We could have forgiveness of sins and we could have Christ in our life. So that's the first aspect of this peace. We have to have peace with God. That's salvation. But not only is, is this include that peace with God, but most of all, this is talking about the peace of God. This is peace in circumstances. This is the peace of God that Paul talks about in Philippians chapter four, verse number six, where it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard your heart and mind in Christ. Now, most of the time, as, as believers, we get this backwards. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. And most of the time, we turn this around, and we are anxious for everything, and we pray about virtually nothing. But Paul says the peace of God through circumstances can be found, and it's found one way. It's found as we pray and as we focus our heart. Isaiah 26.3 says that God will keep us in perfect peace as our mind is stayed or focused on him. This is peace that comes through the working of the Holy Spirit in our life. As we think about this peace, peace in circumstances, peace through the Holy Spirit, peace in God moving in our life. This doesn't mean that we won't have apprehensions. This, this doesn't mean that we will never have this, this, this momentary uh, fear when we have to share the gospel or when we have to take a new step or, or when we uh, go on a mission trip or, or we uh, change in, in, in our vocation because the Lord's opened up another door. This doesn't mean that there won't be any, any type of apprehension in our life, but it does say that undergirded with that apprehension is the peace of Christ. And then he says, and let it rule your heart. The word rule is an interesting one. It is a, an athletic term. It really means to umpire. Let the peace of Christ, that as the Lord's working in your life, let his peace be the umpire. There are times when the Holy Spirit says, uh-uh, out of bounds. Don't go there. Don't do that. Stop. Whoa. And other times when the Holy Spirit just opens that door up and says, you need to move. You need to go. So he's saying, let the, let the peace of Christ be that umpire to say, go on. That's fair. That's in bounds. Run. Or, uh-uh, that's out of bounds. Stop. Stop. So the peace, let it rule. So there's peace with Christ. There's uh, peace with God. There's peace of God through the circumstances in life. David knew this. Remember, David went through lots of hard times and difficulties, but he said in Psalm 23, remember this? When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. What's he saying? That God, your presence in my life keeps me from fearing. And that's the picture here. That Lord, the Holy Spirit's peace in, in, in my life is going to lead and direct me in a way in which I walk. 
Now, he says, let the peace of, of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were called uh, and, and that we are called in one body. So there's peace this way with God. There's peace in our circumstances, but there's peace in the church family as well. This is peace with others. No, notice how he, how he brings this out. He says that you're walking in one body. There ought to be unity. So that as a believer, as I have peace with God and the peace of God, and as you have the peace with God and the peace of God, then we ought to be at peace with each other. That's the picture. The Holy Spirit is is working in us and working in me and working in you and working in you and working in me so that as I have and carry the Lord's peace in my life and you carry the Lord's peace in your life, we're at peace. This is something the world knows nothing of. This is something the world cannot experience. It's absolute peace through the Lord. So he says, let the peace of Christ rule your heart. The second thing he says as he goes into to verse number 16 is he says that we are to let the word of Christ dwell in our life. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. So the peace of Christ is ruling and then the word of Christ is dwelling. I love this verse. I take this verse as a great challenge for my life, that I want God's word to be at home in my life. Psalm 119 reminds us, how can a young man keep his way pure? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's the Lord's word. He he gives that picture, let the, the word of Christ, let God's word dwell in your life. Let it dwell in your life. The, the word here is, is dwell is the word at home. Let it be at home. Now, most of us like to travel some, but when we go to a hotel, it's far different than where it being at home. You remember when Dorothy clicked her heels and said, there's no place like home. What kind of home are you making for the word? Can the word feel at home in your life? Can the word feel at home in your heart? Does God's word, is it able to settle down here? Is it able to be comfortable in my own life? Let the word of Christ, God's word has to dwell in us. Again, that word dwell, it's, it's kicking back and, hey, you have free access to everything in the house. It's all yours. My mom growing up, And as us kids have come back to see her, she's often said things like, if you can find it, you can eat it. You know, go through the pantry. If you can find something to eat, help yourself. Go for it, you know. And and we tell folks, hey, we have the pantry here. If you find it, you can eat it. You know, there might be some chips, some ding-dongs, some ice cream. Go out in the freezer. Make yourself at home. And the picture is, is God's word at home in our life. Let the word of Christ dwell in in you. Then, not only, notice in the text, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. That gives the application. But then he says, teaching and admonishing one another. Not only do we let the the word dwell in you, but let the word speak through you. He uses two words, teach and admonish. The word teach gives the picture of encourage, exhort, challenge, call people. And then the word admonish gives the picture of convict, rebuke. Speak up so that we are, are, are speaking 
words of exhortation. Follow God's word. Trust Jesus. And we're speaking words of admonition. Listen, there's a warning. You have to follow Christ. You must stay true to God's word. And oh, what a day we live in today where those who have, have, have come into the church and into our culture say, look, as we think about this word, we, we think about this word, let's just let culture define what this word is going to say. Let's let philosophy develop its own interpretation of what God's word says. No, 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 that's not the way it works. The way it works is God's word stands as the authority of our life, and we line our life up to the word, no matter no matter what the culture is telling us, no matter what the philosophers are teaching us, no matter what the, the atheistic mind or the agnostic mind or the out-and-out liberal mind says, hey, you know, this is a living document. We've got to, to keep up with the times. Listen, this is God's word. Heaven and earth will pass away. God's word will not pass away. So we let it dwell in our life and then we speak the truth and we speak it in love, but we speak it with great conviction. We do not bow and we do not bend to the culture. We do not bow to the, the culture that is around us as, as they try to define morals, especially in the area of, of uh, sexual morality in the area of men and women and marriage. Listen, God's word has already spoken. It's already settled for us. It's already settled. Let the word of Christ dwell in you and speak through you. But then we're teaching and admonishing one another. And notice it's psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The, the word has to sing among us. We have a, a relationship with Christ that causes us to sing. I, I find the music of, of, of the Christian life is motivating and challenging and encouraging and exhorting. It is the songs of, of Psalm 1 through 150, the longest book in the Bible that pours out deep emotion to God. And we can share that emotion in our own life. And I, I do not have even an ounce of time to tell you how much music has meant to me over the years. It is ministry through music, especially music that is based right here in the scripture that speaks and moves and encourages. But as God's words dwelling in us and we're speaking it, we have the greatest news and the greatest person to sing about. So I don't know about you. When, when I get to heaven, I don't think they're gonna need any preachers. So I, I stand down here every Sunday and uh, I, I, I want to sing like I'm preparing to sing before the throne as Revelation 4 and 5 pictures. I want to do it with excitement and with passion and with love because we have one who's worth singing about. So, hey, we let the peace of Christ rule. We let the word of God dwell. Then thirdly, in verse number 17, he says, whatever you do in word or deed, we're to do all of that in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. So now we're going to let the name of Christ, the name of Christ motivate our actions. The name of Christ. Let me just make it very simple and we're gonna wrap things up. As we think about this passage, he says, whatever you say or speak in word, let the name of the Lord be exalted and magnified. Whatever you do, speak as if Jesus could sign his name to how you have spoken through the day. 
Let the Lord speak through you. May your words. Let's, I, I realize that, that, that there are times when, when you may lose it and struggle with your tongue. And, and I, I, I can appreciate that. But let me just tell you, if the word of Christ is dwelling in you, then let it show through your words. It is out of the, 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 the treasure of the heart is where the mouth is going to speak. And as God's word is hidden in my heart, and maybe you're at a work in progress, but I want to tell you, don't quit and don't just easily excuse it. Whatever you say, may Jesus put his name to it. Your words are important. Ephesians 4 tells us, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. But not only our words, but our ways. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. That means that our ways, what we do in our life, at the end of the day, we would want Jesus to be able to sign off and say, well done, good job. I watched you today. I saw you today. Good job. I'm signing off. And I realize that none of us are perfect, but the Lord does call us to be authentic. And as we walk with the Lord and we're challenged by the truth of his word, may our words and our ways show that Jesus is the Lord of our life. I hope to have 15, 20 more years of ministry ahead of me. Many of you may have 15, 20 years ahead of you. A few more, maybe a few shorter. But the truth is this. Paul says, as you put on the virtues of Christ, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let the word of God dwell in your life. And let the name of the Lord Jesus be your motivation as you walk. And may people see Jesus in us. As Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine among men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven.